Hello and welcome to the Christchurch. <laughs> Are you really recording? Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. The fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic, Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. I'm joined today by only, solely, exclusively, the Reverend Ben Wolpe. Exclusive. You have a Ben Wolpe exclusive here. Thanks for joining me, Ben. You're very welcome. It's my job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're both getting paid for this. None yes. of the listeners are. My boss told me to be here, so I'm here. Yeah. I've just, I think uh, I turned the gain up on my microphone. I just took a big swig of Rubos tea from my branded Christchurch mug. And I reckon they heard that. That's pretty gross. Sorry. (laughs) We're looking at the lies of Satan today. And uh, our next lie. What I love, so, uh, okay, let's give credit to Ben. Ben came up with this. uh, Two lies in a row this week and next. You're not good enough. And you are good enough. Mm. And mm-hmm. Satan has this ability, doesn't he, to to speak out of both corners of his mouth. Yeah, w- as we were planning this, it was striking to me that uh, both these lies are so tricky because they're also true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's true that uh, you're good enough to receive God's love, to to be accepted as you are, but you're not good enough to earn your own salvation and. It's a lie that our culture teaches yeah. <laughs> both of them that uh, you're good enough on your own, uh, your own merits, your own worth, and so also that you're not good enough. Like it, yeah, they, they contradict each other completely. They're both true and they're both completely untrue. Yeah, I'm not sure what to do with this. We got a we got a lot of uns- unsorting to do, untangling. But but I think in a sense that that that's the point, isn't it? That proves a point that we've been making for quite a while. And and that is that these lies are very, very complicated and they're they difficult are. to untangle. They're a sort of a skein. They are. And that's why I feel like it's so helpful to have the word of God in front of us that, that cuts through like that two-edged sword yeah. through bone and marrow. And it brings this clarity to us that exposes the lies and helps untangle all that we've been enmeshed in. Yeah. And, and praise God for that. Well, should we look at Zechariah first? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Do you want to read for us? It's Zechariah, Zechariah three. Yes. Uh, what is our? What do we go through? Well, it's one to a bit. Um, okay. Is it one to four? It's ten verses. So yeah, one to four. I thought it was uh, more than that, but it'll do. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have the cleaning part. Uh, it's got some cleaning. Okay, I'll read one of the well, four. No, we'll see, we'll no, see where you end can up after you it. Feel free. Part. I'm not going to restrict you. All so right. if you want to also then bring in the other bit, you can. My boss has given me latitude, so I'm going to read until I feel like stopping. In Zechariah chapter 3. Make a cup of tea, church. We're going to be here a long time. (laughs) The word of the Lord. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a a clean turban on his head. 
So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're in this heavenly courtroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a prophetic vision given. Yeah, uh, so Zechariah is the one speaking in first person. Right. Prophet. And what what he's seen. And he sees Joshua. He sees the high priest who's this representative leader of God's people stands as uh, someone who works in the temple who brings sacrifices. Who and a Different Joshua than the one who marched around Jericho, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, Zechariah's time is this? This is the high post, priest. Post-exile? Yeah, so a more developed uh, period mm-hmm. of time in Jewish history where you've got a functioning temple system. And uh, we looked at some temple stuff last week in, in the sermon, I think. And yeah. Uh, you know, how this is a place to get right with God. It's a place of the presence of God. And the high priest was, you know, a really significant character. He, once a year, would go in, wouldn't he, to the Holy of Holies. And um, they would tie a rope around him in case he wasn't good enough for God. And yeah. he died in there from the sheer presence of God. And they would just drag him out on a string because they wouldn't want to go in yeah. and, and yeah. deal with him. So fast forward to... This prophetic image, the heavenly judgment room court scene, really, it's a trial yeah. that Zechariah is seeing in his vision. And here they are before the Lord. And, um, and, and Satan is functioning as, as a sort of prosecuting lawyer. Yeah, he's the accuser. That's, uh, and I think that's the Hebrew word mm. for, for Satan is, uh, is the accuser. It, and yeah. the accuser is standing at his right hand to accuse him. Um, the accuser accuses. Yeah. The liar lies. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what he does. That's, that's in his nature. Uh, that's who he is and how he operates. Right. So he's standing there uh, to accuse him. And the Lord said to, to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. So what's kind of funny is that the Lord here is the judge. Yeah. But he's also the defense attorney. Yeah. In this picture. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, and maybe we're cutting through some of the details of what's going on here, but it's not like there's room for a trial even. It doesn't feel like God's giving Satan room to present his case of accusation and uh, prosecution against uh, Joshua, against this representative. Um, no, I, I, he I just agree. Stands, yeah. He just stands before him and the Lord says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Right. This is the one that that God has chosen. Uh, is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Which I think it's an f- odd phrase that I think means like God has has chosen this people out of uh, suffering, out of trial, um, yeah, and has brought them into a safe place. Uh, and I think they've come out of the exile at this point. So I think right. that that kind of trial, they're the they're the ones that have been plucked out of it and, and rescued out of it. Okay, which is perhaps testifying to the, I, I've chosen this guy. I've deliberately saved this guy. Yes. Y- you have an identity level misunderstanding of who or what Joshua is yeah. because of me, Satan. Yeah. And then he rules invalid um, Satan's locus standi. His, um, his I don't speak Latin. Oh. Um, well, his, his, <laughs> his, his, his ability to, his rights of audience before the Lord have been, um, exposed as irregular, he mm. doesn't have the capacity to be a prosecuting lawyer mm. in this trial. He doesn't yeah. have any grounds to bring a case. 
he doesn't have any interest in the case and he doesn't have any um, legitimacy to present the case. So from top to bottom, Satan's overruled here. He's been here. rebuked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a rebuke of Satan. Um, so then there's this choosing language of Jerusalem uh, in verse uh, three, two. two. My eyes are getting two old. 2B. Thank you. That's really generous of you to call it 2B. Because it's nearly a three. It's nearly three. Yeah. And uh, then he says, now, Joshua, this is the bit that I really love. And uh, I think this is why you, you picked this one, didn't you? Uh, maybe. I, I, I think you anymore. did. On that absolute melting marshmallow of a morass <laughs> of a sermon series rotor plan that we threw up into existence. Yeah, I think I've that you did this one. I have no memory of who did what anymore because everything was scratched out and redone and uh <laughs> inspired. <laughs> inspired. Yes. Yeah, I think it was. Uh it's it, he just says this. Now Joshua standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments, which is just cool. And odd for a high priest of Israel, like for a representative guy, the scriptures are very specific about yeah. what the high priest should be wearing. Really specific. These beautiful clothes, and, and he's got this breastplate embroidered with uh, 12 stones, the 12 tribes. <laughs> he's got a yeah. beautiful turban and, uh, and headdress. And like, uh, but there's this high priest, oh, this representative. It's not one of those dreams where you, you know, nightmares where you, you go to school in your underpants or something. <laughs> it's just maybe yeah. completely inappropriate clothing. Yeah, totally out of place for. But, but we said, and I yeah. think it's pretty clear that Joshua's standing here as a representative. Right, so he's a representative, yeah, and he's clothed with sin, or, or these inappropriate clothes. They're not just they're not just a social faux pas in mm -hmm. the throne room. They they are revealing to us uh, the, the sort of dirtiness of him. And I think uh, you know Isaiah has a similar image, doesn't he? Of um, you know that his most righteous acts are like filthy rags yeah. before the Lord. Yeah, that is it. Isaiah. I was trying to remember who that was. I think it is. Yeah, the filthy rag image is 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 not necessarily clothing. I think it's actually menstrual rags that Isaiah is talking about. Yeah. But uh, he's standing, He's nonetheless, he's inappropriately clothed in filth. Yes. And that's, that's, so Satan has, he's onto something because mm -hmm. he is not good enough to be there. He is not properly clothed. Yes. I mean, you can't even get into the field club wearing denim. <laughs> so the idea that you could get into the throne room of God in filthy rags as, filthy clothes as, the high priest. This is emblematic, I think, of his sin. Yeah. And then the angel said, uh, remove the filthy garments from him. So he doesn't even have to take them off himself. Yeah. They're taken off of him. It's a command of God carried out by God and his, his messengers. Yeah. Yeah. And then God says, behold. So this is revealing to us that these clothes are symbolic. Yes. Behold, take note, look, look up, be aware. I have taken your iniquity away from you, the sin that these were symbolizing. And I will, as a promise of God, clothe you with pure vestments. Mm. So mm. God replaces our sin. We're not good enough with something yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this plays right into, throughout Scripture, clothes are actually quite a symbolic metaphor mm. uh, that we're, we're to, to put off our, our sin and to mm. put on Jesus Christ yeah. as a pair of new clothes. Like you said, our righteousness is as but filthy rags. Like, 
the fact that God clothes Adam and Eve as they leave the garden as a sign of mercy, even as he mm. uh, kicks them out. Like yeah. their clothes are always kind of a symbolic uh, yeah. picture in scripture. And oh yeah, like the prodigal son with the sort of uh, the robe and the ring. Yep, yep. Uh, when he's when he returns. And I, so I think we're seeing here very explicitly in this vision clothes being a metaphor for sin yeah. and purity, uh, so for righteousness and for wickedness. So Satan was correct. Yeah. And yet what Satan told us was a half-truth, and that half-truth is a lie. Mm. You're not good enough for God, but that isn't where the theology ends. God can make you good enough for God. Yes. God wants to make you good enough for God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are not able to stand on our own account and our own merits. Right. But God says, I chose you. I've plucked this brand out of the mm. fire and I want to purify you and to make you holy and to make you worthy. Uh, it's not me who's worthy, but it's God who makes me worthy. And I think this just presents such a beautiful image and picture of that. Yeah. And, and especially with Satan's role in this process, because Satan is the one that would constantly be pointing out our dirtiness our sinfulness and yeah. saying, you don't belong here. You're not worthy to be in front of God in uh, pointing out all the sin and all the failings and all the wickedness. Um, but it's interesting that, that God, God views Joshua in this image before the clothing change, views him as though the clothing change had already taken place. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or that I have, he's chosen them for that sake. Right. And, and for that purpose, uh, because of love, because of uh, his his uh, merciful election and, and mm. choosing of of Joshua, yeah, of us, yeah. Should we move to the New Testament? I think that seems like a great natural next step. Good. Looking at how the Old Testament foretells the purifying uh, work of Jesus Christ, now to look at the effects. Yeah, I, of the cross. I, I think it was, it's Beth Moore that, that says something. I don't know the quote. I'll just make one up. But um, something like when you see a thing in the Old Testament and then you see it again in the New or even fulfilled in the New, that there's, there's almost like a double assurance there. Yeah. That, yeah. that you can really rely on this. So uh, we pick up the story in, in the letter of First Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. And uh, I can read it. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, and this is Paul speaking, um, persecutor and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy, and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I always like passages to end with Amen because everybody yes. just mutters going to go Amen in church and then they feel embarrassed. Like Don't feel embarrassed if you ever do that. What never never fail to say Amen when you hear the word of the Lord. It's beautiful. I love it. 
yeah, it's great. It's really good. I love it. it yeah. I just like that moment of awkwardness. That uh-huh. like, oh, no. But it's fine, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It's great. Uh, well, I, I guess that, you know, in that rhetorical style, people probably would, as this was read out, have said amen. 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 Preach it, Paul. So this is cool. I love this. I love this passage. It's great, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, well, we can't go into it all. Of course, the appointing is that choosing image again, you know. Yeah. I, I love, I was really struck by even that first verse. Yeah. That Jesus judged me faithful. Mm. Like that, that Paul was the blasphemer, the persecutor, the opponent, and Jesus judged him faithful. Yeah. And said, nope, I choose you. I'm going to define you. I'm going to say who you are and why you're worthy to do yeah. this. Like that's Jesus, the judge of all the universe, saying that about Paul about me, about you, right, and all of us. Though That's in his amazing. natural state, Paul is a rotter. Yes, and he received that mercy. I was a blasphemer, Yeah, persecutor. So he, his job was actually to murder Christians. Yes. Which is Satan's job. Yeah. And insolent opponent, which is just <laughs> kind of funny. I think insolent's funny. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Paul does this quite frequently. Like he'll, he'll put a couple of really serious things, and he'll put something else in, which is grammatically equally as serious but to the modern ear doesn't sound quite so bad yeah it's like yeah. insolent okay all right fair enough <laughs> you know. but i received mercy because i'd acted ignorantly in unbelief the grace of our lord overflowed for me and and that overflowing it's a bit like the clothing thing isn't it we're going to put something new over the old yeah yeah and it was a overflowing is that image of abundance and yeah. more than enough uh, for what we need. It's a liquid image, right? Yeah. The washing image mm-hmm. to abound. Yeah, so so he was a sinner, a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christians. He received the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Jesus has judged him faithful and appointed him to his service. That was because of nothing that Paul had done and nothing that he deserved, yeah. nothing that he had worked for. Blatantly or, not. Yeah. And it was the work and the miraculous saving grace of Jesus Christ on his life. Because he went around attributing evil to God. That's what blasphemy is, taking mm-hmm. God's name and and saying bad things about God. Yeah. And persecuting people and also being insolent. <laughs> See before. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Then we uh, in verse fifteen. This is one of those. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's one of the standard offertory sentences of scripture that you would have in a liturgical service yeah. before uh, an offertory anthem. Uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Just so hear me now. This is true. Mm-hmm. And when scripture says "hear me now," this is true. It usually says something that would ordinarily sound false. Yeah, and you better be paying attention. Yeah. Because this is pretty important. It's important and it's true. It sounds as though it might be wrong. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So you let's just pick, let's try and find out who's the worst person. It's me, says Paul. Let's yeah. let's just cut to the chase. I'm bad and I got saved. Yeah. Implicit within that. You're not as bad as me. So you can be saved. Yeah. No one is beyond the reach of God's saving grace. Clearly not. I often think about Paul, and someone said to me years ago that Paul was basically a terrorist. And when we oh. think about terrorists today and what they do and how evil they are, and 
Paul was a terrorist against Christians and he was persecuting them and <laughs> uh, he was an awful character. Uh, but God's grace saved him. God's grace remade him and <laughs> judged him faithful for service. Um, and then you think about that, like, and yeah, how he says that I'm the foremost sinner. No one is worse than anyone can be saved. And we, it shapes how we think about everyone else around us and how we pray for our enemies and for mm. those that we tend to think are beyond God's grace. Yeah, because he's looked after by his enemies mm-hmm. just before his conversion. Yeah. Yeah. So he he is... I mean, there could be an element of idiomatic hyperbole to this. Uh, um, or Or it could be that he really is the worst. And given that Scripture is breathed out by God... Uh, it's possible <laughs> that yeah. he's he's this which which why why he's so full full of grace and so full of love and so full of of excitement about Jesus because yeah. he's been liberated from this sin and, and he knows it. Yeah, and the fact that God used him as an extreme example. Yeah, that Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Verse sixteen. Yeah, um, that's so important, isn't that it? It really is. And now, now, pastorally, I think this is key. I think this is extremely important. We're just never going to get bored of this because it's the gospel. This mm-hmm. is the good news. This is our sermon in a pot. We say it all the time. And here's a great example of this. You, you, you are not good enough for God. And yet here's the man who was the most not good enough for God. And he became good enough for God. Yeah. And not just sort of scraped in good enough, tolerated by God. Like that's, that's not Christ's work here. Yeah. Not to slide you in. Yeah. Uh, squeak you by and to get you into heaven. No, 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 but to display perfect patience and mercy. Yeah, and the the thing that brings us about is that Christ Jesus came in the world, into the world to save sinners. Like yeah, by what means? That's yeah. the gospel, and that's the means by which we can be before God purified and judged faithful for his service. Right. Because Jesus has come to save sinners, and I am a sinner. And I need that salvation. I need that mercy just as much as Paul did. It's a really wonderful answer to the lie. Because the lie lie comes with a couple of temptations. The the first being to give up. Well, I'm not good enough for God, and I can't be, so I might as well give up. Uh, And then maybe not only give up, but, but either just slide into apathy... Or, or even just outright indulge in sin because yeah. I might as well because I'm not good enough. I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. I, might, I don't know what, in for a cent, in for, do you say that? In for a dollar? Not really. No. I don't know. Maybe. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Kind though? of. Well, I've done a little bit, so I might as well do a lot. Yeah. Uh, but whether it's apathy and drudgery or whether it's just, you know, really abundant sin, the effect is the same. Um, like the other way you might take the lie is to say, right, well, I'm going to work hard to improve my lot. Yeah. And I'm just going to feel guilty, and I'm gonna, I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a sleeping bag in the back of the church, and be there every day, and do as many rites and rituals as I can, and give all my money, and and you name it, do it. Yeah. And you remain at the end of all of that effort equally not good enough. Yeah, and it's amazing to think about the implications of the damages that this lie can cause. This lie. Yeah you're not good enough for God or you're not good enough just in general. Like 
it's so pervasive and it affects so many different things. And I think all of us at some points have flashes of this, mm. if not uh, maybe even seasons of of thinking this or and sometimes the world's answer is, oh, you need better self-esteem. You need to think better about yourself. You're you're good enough. You're mm. look in a mirror and yeah. say, you know, I am good. I am powerful. I am uh, I'm smart and like listing your qualities. But no, that's not the answer. Well, I think the if you have to look in a mirror and smile at yourself and tell yourself you're good, you evidently know you're not. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to uh, to pick at something that just can't be moved. And yeah. And can't be, you can't uh, live in the illusion that you can just speak it into existence and it is true. But mm. the answer is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And yeah. that's where your self-esteem or your not even self-esteem, but Christ's esteem of you lies, and that's where our identity can be founded, and uh, that can just change everything when our identity is rooted in that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that's me. Everyone's smiling <laughs> because he's done it again. We've he's he's crescended us in a Wolpian way. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, I love it. just honestly. How many times is this going to happen? Um, if we keep the podcast, well, it's going to happen, isn't it? Until basically you just die, yeah, or the Lord returns. That's what you pay me for. The Wolpian crescendo. Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm here. Complete a finisher. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, look, this this has been uh, a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel, and we're incredibly glad that you could join us. Um, you know, we originally picked this piece of music because it was out of copyright, and. Uh, but it's grown on me. And I, I hear people I hear people in the community whistling the this tune now. Like look at Apple is gonna be wondering, what is going on? Thank you for joining us. This has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. Bye. We'll see you very soon. <laughs>